Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to the Unplayable Podcast. My name is Josh Shonafinger and I'm joined by Jack Painter and we're very lucky today later on in the episode to be joined by New South Wales Captain Curtis Patterson. Welcome Jack, how are you? Thank you Josh, thanks for having me along again. Um, and yeah, we'll be hearing from Curtis Patterson shortly. Uh, the Blues just fell short in the Marsh Cup last year and uh, in the Shield as well they finished fourth. So it'll be interesting to see what he has and his thoughts uh, for the season ahead. Yeah, let's see if he wants to add to those two tests he earned in 2018-2019. Now, without further ado, let's get into the chat with Curtis Patterson. It is an absolute pleasure to introduce Blues captain Curtis Patterson to the Unplayable podcast. Welcome, Curtis. Tell us, how's your off-season been so far? Yeah, thank you, guys. Um... Yeah, it's been uh, actually a really fun one to be honest. We've uh, we were really lucky at the Blues this year. We had a brand, we've got a brand spanking new facility, so that's um, that's been really nice. Um, you know, preseason training can sometimes be very much indoors. Um, it's quite cold. Um, it's generally a lot of uh, the more fundamental stuff and a bit of exploration, but um, all of that's kind of been made a lot more enjoyable with with uh, brand new shiny toys, so to speak. Um, you know, all the boys have been getting amongst the new gym, um, you know, we've had it, we've got an oval on our, uh, at our facility now, which we haven't had for, um, you know, even when we were based at the SCG, we could rarely use the SCG. So it's pretty much the first time in a lot of our careers that we can just walk from the gym and go out and do our running and do our fielding practice and all that. So um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, but having said that, it's always the same this time of year. We've got about 20 guys who are itching to play some cricket and um, get out of that, uh, get out of the nets and get out of training and um, start playing some competitive games. Now, you missed the last game of last season with the birth of your first child. Did you get any time off or was it all hands on deck there? Um, we've actually been really lucky. Um, we've got a good little boy, Hayden's his name. Um, as far as babies go, you know, speaking to some other friends that have gone through the same thing, um, you know, we're sleeping pretty well. Um, my wife's taking the brunt of the, the nighttime shifts over me, so I can't I can't complain too much, but... Um, no, it was a really special time, um, you know, being able to be there for the first, you know, pretty much uninterrupted for the first three months of, of Hayden's life was um, something that I considered myself to be very fortunate because I think it would have been a, I would have probably struggled to be honest if he was born, say, September, October, right as the cricket season's kicking off or somewhere in the middle there, I think I would have found it really tough to, to juggle the two. So um, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Um, it's probably been more fun now that I'm kind of able to go uh, from home to training. It's it's created a nice little separation for me between um, work and home, so to speak. So, um, no, I've certainly had the time off and I've, and I've loved having some something like a little little baby to take my mind off the game. And so no travel into somewhere warmer in the world this off-season, just been in Sydney? Uh, no, we actually took uh, – my wife's American, so we actually took Hayden back uh, to see, his, see my wife Jocelyn's family when he was eight weeks old. Um, so that was it was a journey. Um, they live on the, the east coast the east coast of the US, so it's a long way from Sydney. Um, it's about 23 hours of travel, which, um, as you can imagine, with an eight week old, certainly had its had its challenges. But 
Um, yeah, we had a great time over there. Um, obviously, the family love love seeing him. Um, it was great. My wife hadn't seen her family for about I think three three to four years with COVID. Um, so it was um, it was a really special trip, and um, you know it was hot and thirty early thirty degrees every day over there, and. I was getting calls from mum and dad back home that it was rain and cold in Sydney. So, um, yeah, we, we had about um, three or four weeks over there before pre-season started, which was fantastic. How does the cricket chat go with the in-laws? Have you <laughs> developed them into a love of the game yet? Um, it's funny, yeah. They're, they're very passionate. My my wife played um, soccer, in D1 soccer in college, and her, her brother was uh, on the football team at the University of South Carolina. So they're a very big sporting family. Um, they've tried to get into cricket. They, you know, they watch the, the streams when they're on. And I think even in the US, there's a channel that um, that shows the Big Bash. So uh, they tune in when they can. Um, they, they record it when it's on in the middle of the night and, and watch it the next day. But um, no, they're all very keen. They don't quite understand the game, but um, they're certainly a lot better than where they were three years ago. <laughs> and how's your preseason been now that the practice matches have started and you've been in the nets for a little while? How are you feeling about your game heading into this summer? Yeah, I feel like I'm in a in a good place. Um, I've probably been a bit guilty in the past, to be honest, of peaking a little bit too early. Um, I sometimes just try and get uh, you know everything under control as quickly as I can, um, and sometimes I'm kind of hitting my peak in you know mid August, mid end August, rather than um, you know a month or six weeks later at, towards the back end of September. So um, that's been nice. I feel like. Um, you know, I feel like I've kind of timed that a bit better this year. I haven't, I didn't hit anywhere near as many balls at the beginning of preseason, uh, and I've kind of slowly just ramped it up um, as we've got into practice games and as we're nearing nearing game one on Friday. So uh, I feel like I'm in a good place. Um, you know, I feel feel ready to go out there and play, but at the same time, I feel like I've um, you know still got, um, gosh, I guess I've still got a a bit more work to do to get to my best, if that makes sense. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing this time of year. Uh, Will Koski obviously made the headlines in the second eleven last week, but there were some good performances uh, for you guys in Matt Jilkson and Ryan Hackney. That must be pleasing as captain. Yeah, it is. I feel like um, our batting groups just really hit their strides at the right time, to be honest. Um, early season, I guess the earlier uh, trial matches, sometimes the ones we had as an intra-squad before we played the Vicks, and uh, even the first game or two against Victoria, uh, we probably let ourselves down with some just, uh, I would just call them some rusty errors, uh, some pre-season errors, uh, like we're still in the nets with no consequences. But, um, you know, Matt, Matt Jukes, you mentioned Matt Jukes and Ryan Hackney. Um, they've both kind of um, been in the runs, but on top of the two of them, you know, Lockie Hearn scored a really good 100 uh, in our last practice match on Saturday. So did young Blake Nikotaris. So um feel really comfortable with where, uh, where the whole squad's at, but uh, particularly the batting group, I guess, the improvement and then, the timing of uh, where I think a lot of the guys are peaking, I think, is is bang on. So um, Friday should be a, a nice start for us. And on a personal note for you, you took the captaincy full time last year. Is that something that comes naturally to you? Is that something you enjoy doing? What's what's captaincy look like for you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the the on field stuff is always. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's come naturally, but it's something I've kind of always done. Um, playing in all my younger teams, I was. Um, captain or vice captain kind of most of the time um, just because I was a batter who didn't bowl and I was one of the best batters that's kind of the criteria when you're young but um, I had a lot of practice at it so um, it's something that I've done for a long a lot of my career I think the the bigger challenge and I guess the bigger learning curve is just when you're obviously captaining it um, 
a professional level or a first class level. It's a lot more than just the the on field stuff. It's um, you know making sure the um, the change rooms in the right place and the the culture of I guess the teams moving in the right direction. And um, you know I kind of view my a, a really important part of my role is making sure that the Blues are in a better place by the time my uh, my time's done, whenever that is. So um, all of that stuff's been a good challenge. Um, I, I love it. I really enjoy it. Um, you know I love I love everything about New South Wales cricket and I wanted to do really well when I'm in charge and I also wanted to do really well um, as we keep moving forward. So um, the on-field stuff, uh, I feel like that kind of takes care of itself, but the last 18 months has been a really good um, learning curve in um, all of those all of those other things that come with being captain of a professional team. Uh, you've got a lot of leaders in the, in the squad, obviously, in New South Wales, but you know one guy that's really stepped up over the last um, season has been Jason Sanger as well, who's been installed as your deputy for this year um are you expecting another another big season from him yeah i am um you know he's one of the one of the hardest workers in our group um he's got a a a deep love for the game uh but i think he's he's really big improvement over the last probably 12 to 18 months or his two i think big areas of improvement has been his leadership number one um i think he kind of probably surprised himself more than anyone else with how um, natural it came to him when he took over the Thunder last year when Usman left. And um, that's quite a high-pressure environment for a a young guy to be thrust in and and to captain the squad. And um, I obviously wasn't a part of that team, but hearing reports from the guys, um, he did a great job. So um, I think with his batting and just his cricket in general, whilst he's um, he's a very hard trainer and he's a very dedicated player, he's... Um, he's been able to kind of relax, I think, when he goes out in the middle and just um, almost just enjoy himself and trust with the amount of work he puts into it, almost just go out there and, and trust his work ethic and trust his game. So um, I think he's just going to keep going from strength to strength and he's not alone. I feel like we've had a, a, probably a core group of four or five young batters who um, have had a got a few games into them now over the last couple of years and um, they're kind of entering that um, that nice phase of being moving, I guess, out of there late teens, early 20s into their kind of early to mid-20s. And um, Zhang's one of those guys, and I think he showed what he can do last year, and I've no doubt he'll um, just keep building on from that. You mentioned how much you love New South Wales cricket. Well, you had a breakout or your best BBL season to date with the Scorchers last year, won the title, and now you've made the switch back to the Sixers. Was that a tough decision for you to make? It really was, yeah. Um, It was the first time in my cricket career where um, something – other than cricket, uh, played a part in my decision, if that makes sense. Um, obviously, I've never had a never had a child until um, until now, and um, that was a that was a big reason for the move. Just being able to um, have what's always a fun time of year, that Christmas New Year period, um, being able to be at home and be in Sydney for that was something that was a little too good to pass up. Um, I think if we lost that final last year, um, it probably would have been a little bit different. I probably would have, um, you know run it back with the scorches so to speak and um felt like there would have been some unfinished business but it felt like just i had a a great time last year with the group you know we played one the scorches played one one home game all year so the the challenges we faced i think were uh, were fairly high and the way i think the group stuck together was um was really um was really important i think it, it played a big role in us winning the tournament so everything just kind of felt like it was um the right ending. I guess you don't always in sport have the opportunity to, I guess, leave on a high, but um, being able to play an important role in, in helping the Scorchers win the Big Bash and 
Um, obviously, timing that with coming off contract, it felt like a, a nice time to um, to leave my time there, leave that chapter there, and, and come back to Sydney. You know, I started my career BBL two with the Sixers, um, which not everyone knows. Had a very very forgettable game, the one game I played there. But um, you know, I, I play obviously a lot of cricket with those Sixers guys um, in the Blues all year round, and uh, play the same club as Moses. We've had a, we played a lot of cricket together over the last 10, 11 years. So. Um, when the opportunity kind of presented itself, it was it was too hard to knock back. You've done well though. You've swapped the most successful club for the second most. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I think about that a bit. Yeah, um, you know, you look at the you look at all the franchises. As you say, they're the the two the two most um, successful teams in the competition. So um, again, that was almost made the decision quite easy. That I wasn't didn't feel like I was having to take a step back in. Um, I guess the the team culture or the the strength of the team it was almost uh, quite an easy switch. Have you spoken to Greg Shippard much about what your role would be? They've got Josh Philippi there and drafted James Vince again, obviously. So they've got some strength at the top of the order. But do you feel you could slot in around those guys, perhaps at number three or number four? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we had some we've had some brief chats. Um, we haven't had anything serious. Obviously, we've all kind of got our New South Wales hat on this time of year, but. Um, yeah, the kind of feedback I got was that um, there'll be opportunities similar to what I had in Perth just to be able to um, play somewhere at the top of the order and just be able to play with freedom. And um, that was kind of how I played my best cricket last year. I wasn't trying to prove anything to myself. I wasn't trying to prove anything to anyone else. I just went out there and um, tried to hit every ball for four or six and um, just kind of enjoyed my cricket. And I felt like um, that's what got the best out of me. So um, Shippy and both Shippy and Moses kind of conveyed that um, they wouldn't be expecting anything else out of me this year. So um, that was quite um, comforting and um, pleasing to hear. And I just want to touch on that one game you played for the Sixers. As you said, not many people know that. So what do you remember about that game? I mean, the competition was a lot different back then and you were obviously uh, quite fresh on the scene as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember Stuart Clark was a general manager um, of the team that year, and I was um, I was fairly young. I I kind of think I played the one game for New South Wales at the time, and um, when I signed with the Sixers, it was very much a um, you know you, you're probably not going to play this year. This but it's a more of a, a long term signing. We we want to get you in and kind of keep you for the long term. So um, I just kind of came to every game and just you know enjoyed it from essentially the best seat in the house on the sideline. Um, didn't think I was ever going to play, um, so that game was no different. I got out to the nets. I, I generally had one of the little side arms and was just um, getting the guys who were playing, just helping out with their preparation. And then uh, Trevor Bayless just came up and tapped me on the shoulder, I think, because I was throwing balls to one of the players and said, uh, you might want to go and put the put the pads on and, and hit a few because um, such and such has gone down injured and someone else is sick or someone else has got picked for Australia. I can't remember what it was, but... Um, you know, two. I was. I went from kind of three back to them to them playing and batting at six. So um, it's a bit of a whirlwind to be honest, because it was the first game in my career playing in front of any sort of crowd. Um, I think there was, you know, I think there was maybe twenty thousand at the SCG, um, and it was obviously as loud as I've ever seen it. So it was, um, yeah, I just remember being so like really overwhelmed by it to be honest. Both um, not so much with the bat to be honest, but more so when I went out there in the field, um, just thinking like, holy, holy smokes, this is the this is the big <laughs> leagues now. So. Um, yeah, but having said that, after that experience, I walked off the field and survived it and everything went okay. I think we lost the game. I remember Ricky Ponting just peeled off a 60-not out or something like that. Um, so that was uh, another thing I guess I kind of 
took from that game was um, it was nice that I was able to play that game because that was uh, the one and only time I shared a field with um, someone like Ricky, who I um, was kind of one of three guys that I really looked up to um, when I was young. And you spoke earlier about that mindset of going out and trying to hit every ball for four or six. Was that sort of the, the change in, in the breakout season or was there any sort of technical adjustments that helped lift your T20 game last year? Yeah, it was a mixture of, of both. Um, trying to hit every ball for four or six is a bit of a stretch, but certainly just trying to uh, <laughs> be really aggressive. Um, just trying to be really aggressive when the bowler would bowl the ball, trying to hit the ball hard and um, then reacting if the ball wasn't there or otherwise. But, um, yeah, so that, that mindset was definitely an important one. Um, it's obviously a lot easier to have that mindset. We had a, you know, my opinion, a borderline international batting lineup at Perth. Um, so batting batting number one there and having those other five guys um, behind, or even six guys with Ashton Agar batting at seven um, kind of allows you to have that freedom a lot more. Um but on top of that, there was a couple of little technical adjustments. Um, I kind of changed, got my hands to a lower position and tried to just uh, generate a bit more bat flow as opposed to being a bit more stagnant with my hands and only being able to kind of jab at the ball and um, you know never, not really being able to have a full swing, if that makes sense. So that was something that I'd worked on for about 18 months to two years before I got that opportunity last year. Uh, just a lot of um, tweaking with that, um, a lot of... Uh, picking up a baseball bat and, and trying to hit a baseball bat with different weighted balls and just little things that I, um, that, I um, mean, yeah, guys, coaches were, were really great and really innovative and really helped me in that space. So, uh, but on, you know, a mixture of those two things of a slight technical adjustment, but, um, the mindset change. And I think the, then the belief that came after I scored some runs in that first game of the year, I think was the big one that then kind of allowed me to, um, build on that belief and, um, you know, keep trying to, um, put my best foot forward. Out of, out of interest, do you then switch your hands back to a higher position for longer form cricket, red ball cricket? No, I don't. Um, no, I, I kind of, um, along with my hands there, I, I used to have a, a trigger movement with my feet. I used to go back and across with my feet and it was something that for probably the first seven or eight, or the whole eight years of my professional career I had. Um, but it was always just one extra variable that I had to kind of get right. Um, I had to time it in the right place. Um, you know, I had to make sure my head was still level when I, um, the ball was released. And um, for whatever reason, I'd never wanted to change it. I'd always kind of told myself the narrative that I needed to I needed to trigger, you know, all these other players trigger. I need a trigger to be able to um, move and watch the ball. And, and some guys feel like that, um, so it's understandable. But, um, yeah, a couple of pre-seasons ago, I just decided to uh, get rid of it. I just thought I'd get rid of that variable, um, stay still with my feet. But um, it's very hard without having some sort of pre-movement um, with some part of your body to then face, you know, particularly bowlers that bowl over 140Ks an hour. It's quite hard to not feel stuck. So um, I kept my feet still and then just, as I mentioned before, lowered my hands and then almost tried to just use my hands as a bit of a, uh, bit of a trigger to lift them up at the right time. And um, it kind of feels like... Um, I'm now able, I guess, to adapt between the different formats. So um, the hands, the hands don't change in their starting position. If, if anything, that is obviously uh, you finish a little bit shorter in your swing than you do in white ball cricket. Um, in red ball cricket, you have a, a shorter swing, and obviously you're batting in gear gear one or two for most of the time, as opposed to gear four, five, six. <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. Um, so the Blues just fell short in the Marsh One Day Cup last season, and then were really crippled by injuries and COVID at the end of last season in the Sheffield Shield. What's the focus for the Blues this summer? Is it all about titles for you guys, or is there a different benchmarks you're looking for? Yeah, it's a good question. We're always 
um, I think like most states, it's always a bit of a balance. Um, you know, you want to you wanna produce young players that can play for Australia. So that's always something that I think every association is trying to strive towards. And at the same time, you every time you walk out there, you want to win every game and you want to win every competition possible. So, um, yeah, looking at last year was an interesting one. Um, you know, we made that final in the one-day cut, which is great. Uh, I think we finished fourth in the Shield game after losing the last game to South Australia. But, um, you know, we probably didn't read into last year too much. You know, even though we made the final in the one-day cup, um, we played played two games for the year and we had four washouts. Um, and then with the Shield stuff, it was a very unique year. You know, we played, we played Victoria three times in a row to start the season and then didn't see another state until after the Big Bash. And, um, and then same thing, we, as you mentioned, we had a, a bit of COVID and we had... Uh, I broke my finger. Daniel Hughes broke his finger. Um, we had a few guys out for different reasons, so it was a, a very different year. Um, but nonetheless, you know, the expectations are at New South Wales. There's certainly high expectations there that you're you're challenging for both titles every year. So um, now that we've had a, a fairly normal preseason, um, everything's back to full squad. We're not doing any shorter, you know, groups of six to eight um, with COVID regulations. Um, so it's been really nice this year. So there's no excuses for us. Uh, back to a full season, back to 10 games, back to six before the Big Bash. Um, there's no reason for us to, to get in a nice groove and um, make sure that we're playing playing the important stuff at the end of March, April next year, as well as developing our um, young players that we've earmarked to have future potential. And are you locked in, into a position yourself? I think you opened a couple of times in the Shield last year. Yeah, I opened. Uh, I didn't play the last game um, with Hayden being born, but I, I opened in the the second last game. Um, yeah, I mean we're we're not exactly sure what that's going to look like this year. Um, I'll either open or bat three. It probably depends on the the lineup we go with. But um, I kind of thought it was something. Well, yeah, I expressed to the selectors that was something that I'd be interested in for this year. Um, was was opening the batting. Um, I'm not, um, you know, not absolutely dead set on it. Um, I understand we've got some guys that are specialist openers, and if um, they're in our best 11 bat, or if they're in our best six batters, and they're in the team, then um, I've batted at three for most of my career, so I'll I can do that and drop to three if those guys um, are in the 11. So um, it's been pretty much a, it's been a pretty strong one day focus at the moment. So um, the shield stuff we haven't really ticked off those teams or what they exactly look like yet because I think we've got about a week after our first um, one day game until till the next shield game. So um, I'd like to be up the top of the order if I can, but at the same time, um, whatever works for the team is kind of what we'll go with. And who have you got penciled in for a breakout year this summer? Obviously, the injury to Tanvir Sanger is a big blow, but we saw Jason Sanger and Hayden Kerr making a bit of a name for themselves last year. Who's going to do that this year? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, really felt for Tanvir. That's quite quite fresh, actually. All of us only kind of um, found out about that yesterday at a center wicket practice we had um so um really sad he's one of the hardest workers um which has probably been his downfall in the end i think he's he's almost worked a bit too hard for what his body could endure so um it'll be a good learning curve for him but um i've no doubt he'll be back and um if that means for the big bash i'm sure the thunder won't be too displeased with a fresh <laughs> tanvir coming into the tournament and if it's for us later on in the year then same deal it'd be great to have him as fresh as possible trying to, to win us a shield um Look, I think someone like a, a Blake Nikotaris and Matt Jilks, who are two two top order left hand players, um, but they were kind of two of the guys that I mentioned earlier have hit their straps in the right time of year. Um, 
they kind of uh, they've explored different parts of their game. Matt Jokes was overplaying in England this off season. Um, Blake Nikitaris is a rookie; he's had his first year with us, but he opened the batting in the last Shield game last year and kind of showed everyone a glimpse of what he can do. So those two guys are um, two picks that I'm tipping to have a have a really good year. And I think as well on top of last year, I'm looking forward to see what um, Chris Tremaine can do. Um, he kind of got his spot back last year and um, and led our bowling attack. He he was our best bowler when he from the moment he got selected. So um, his new ball skills are I think have improved. Um, even for someone who's got a record as good as he's, um, his new ball bowling seems to have gone to another level. So um, really excited to see what he can do when he takes a new ball for us. And Tanvir obviously a big blow, and I know he would have been playing anyway. But uh, Nathan Lyon available for the first two months of the season. What's it like having having Gaz around the group and and the energy that he brings? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, kind of glad, in very selfish way, that um, the Aussie selectors don't um, kind of don't view his white ball cricket as um, good enough to get picked. So it just means that we get him for a bit longer in the season. But um, you know, he's got a very good uh, record, a white ball record for us at the Blues. Um, Gaz is excellent around our group, you know, particularly with young spinners. Um, we have a lot of young spinners from around the Sydney grade scene that come in and bowl. Um, Gaz always gives them. Uh, plenty of plenty of time a day and uh, and really helps them with their game and I think is on top of that he's he's excellent at he's obviously bowled to a lot of world class batters around the world so um, for our batting group when we practice on some spinning wickets and um, we get on some dusty wickets at training he's also great at um, kind of showing us what different players do to him and what different players have done that make him feel certain ways so um, it's always a bonus when we have Gaz or any of the Aussie guys for that matter because. Um, we kind of we kind of plan um, with with Phil Jakes and myself and the other coaches. We kind of plan our season around not having those guys, and we just treat whenever we have them as a as a bonus because um, you know they're so busy. Even if they do have a free free week here or there, it's totally understandable that they put their feet up and get ready for whatever the next um, Aussie tour is. So um, it's going to be fantastic, particularly losing Tan V now. Um, having Nathan around for those first two months is um, going to be crucial for us and. Um, you know, I guess the silver lining of not having Tanvir is that it means there'll be a good opportunity for a for a young spinner to um, potentially play a couple of shield games before the big bash. And you spoke about opening, wanting to open before. Does that um, does potentially that being the the pitch position that will come up next in the Australian side? Does that sort of influence that that decision, or is it just something you feel will be best suited for, for your game and bring the best out of uh, your cricket for New South Wales? Yeah, it's definitely a mixture of both. Um, you know, obviously that's um, where I guess the you look at that Australian team. You, I don't think Marnus or Steve Smith are going anywhere for a while, three and four. So, um, but also I think for how I how I play my cricket, um, I know it's a very different format, but I just really enjoyed that time in the Big Bash last year, just going out there from ball one and uh, being able to play what's in front of me without any preconceived ideas when you sit on the sideline and watch. So. And it's an interesting one. I, I think if I probably go back and look at a lot of the hundreds I've scored for New South Wales, generally speaking, a lot of the time there, they happen when I'm in early. Um, I tend to not score um, my best runs when we're, you know, one or two for 100 or 150 and, and plenty of things have gone on. Whereas generally the less thinking and the quicker I'm out there, the um, the higher the runs or the, the better I play. So um, it was definitely a mixture of both, but as I mentioned before, um, I, I'm not dead set on it. Um, I'll kind of just be flexible with what the team wants, and um, 
kind of up until up until this year. I think the way our squad's been uh, kind of put together is we've probably lacked uh, a lot of opening batters. We've we've got a lot of top and middle order players in our um, in our squad, uh, whereas that's changed a little bit this year, particularly with Blake Nikotaris coming on board and um, getting his first contract. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what happens, but um, it's definitely a mixture of both those reasons. Obviously, we want to see you add to your two tests as well, Curtis. So does seeing like Usman Khawaja's and his sort of second coming as a mature age recruit and this, seeing that the selectors, uh, you know, they're prepared to pick someone again after they've already had a crack, does that give you a bit of hope as well that... Um, your Australian days are still uh, could still be coming. Yeah, it does. Um, I've, I haven't really lost hope, to be honest. Um, I just, uh, you know, I probably would have lost hope if I'd had a couple of blinding years and didn't find myself back in that you know, back in that team. But um, you know, I've only kind of can only need look at myself uh, for why I haven't been back there. Um, I haven't had the the consistent runs on the board, um, so that's that's totally understandable. But yeah, regarding Uzi, I thought that was. Um, Really inspiring, actually. Yeah, because I'll be honest, I thought he was, I thought he was past his best there at one point. Um, you know, I, I kind of grew up going to New South Wales games and watching Usman play, and um, I just thought after them playing against him in some Shield cricket um, that he looked like he he missed a step. But um, then he just out of, like not out of the blue, but for someone that's obviously not training with him, it just looked like out of the blue he he just found something and found another gear and. I know speaking to him, you know, the birth of his first child, he's obviously got two now and um, having that balance off the field seems like it's just really relaxed him. So uh, trying to hope that Hayden, my little boy, can uh, give me <laughs> give me a bit of Usman's, Usman's secret stuff in that way and, um, and just allow me to go out there and, and play freely and enjoy my cricket. So, um, yeah, I think what, what Usman's been able to do and also how versatile he is, I think also... Uh, he can bat anywhere from one. I think he batted five in Sydney when he scored those back-to-back hundreds. So um, that's also um, something that I think every cricketer aspires to be. You want to be as versatile as possible, and um, I'm no different. Curtis, thank you for being so generous with your time today. Uh, good luck in the opening match on Friday, and hopefully plenty of runs coming from you this season. No worries. Thanks, guys. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, Jack, that was Curtis Patterson. Um, some really good insights there about the Blues and this coming season. How do you see their um, season shaping up? Uh, the Blues have always got a strong squad, but you know, they've dealt major blows by you know, being so good and having you know, so many players representing Australia. So their depth uh, will be tested again. And they've got, a, as you mentioned, they've got a lot of young opening batters coming through. Um, 
big blow in, in losing Tanvi Sanger because you know, he was set to play alongside Nathan Lyon for the first two months of the season. But, uh, you know, there's, there's some promising talent there. We saw Blake Nikotaris, uh, Ryan Hackney, Matt Jilks, Hayden Kerr, all those guys uh, performed strongly last year and Blues will certainly be hoping they can come along and, and continue their development this year. And, of course, they've got that steady middle order of um, Patterson himself, Moises Onrakes, and uh, Jason Sanger had a massive year as well. And I'm sure the Aussie selectors will be keeping a close eye on him this year. Absolutely. It's been the breakout season we've kind of been waiting for for Jason Sanger. He was contracted at, at 16 years old by New South Wales, and you know, he's, he showed glimpses of his talent. But last year, he's just stepped up. Um, seemed like he was really enjoying his cricket, um, stepped up as a leader, and you know, it's, it's a great thing for him. It's a great thing for New South Wales. and just been awarded the, the vice captaincy as well of New South Wales. So, uh, yeah, expect big things from him this summer. So, yeah, we spoke about those spin stocks. Obviously, it's unlikely we'll see Tanvir for the first half of the season. But Nathan Lyon will definitely be there, um, at least until the Test Series starts against the West Indies. Do they have anyone else they can sort of fall back on if they want to play two spinners in the absence of Tanvir? Uh, we saw Jason Sanger bowl quite a bit uh, last year. Um, so, the Got some options there, and Adam Zampa as well, who potentially could float in after Nathan Lyon um, for the back end of November after the ODIs against uh, England. And they've also got Arjun Nair as well, who I think uh, might be off off contract, but he certainly played in the in the second eleven game last week against Victoria. So there's a few options there, um, but yes, yeah, certainly they'll love having having Gaz around the side and and Zampa. Hopefully, if he can slot in for a few games, and we know that. Hazelwood, Cummins, Stark are all in that squad, but are probably unlikely to play too much cricket. How's their pace sort of department shaping up? They also lost Harry Conway to South Australia, so it's going to be a bit of a different-looking attack, I'd say. Yeah, well, they've got Chris Tremaine there and, and Trent Copeland, and Tremaine didn't play at all the season before last and then came back and took 20-odd you know, wickets, um, absolutely killed it towards the back end of the season. So he's, he's a talent. He's a Sheffield Shield winning player of the year. Uh, so they've got him. They've got Trent Copeland, who's he's always a solid performer. They've got uh, Hayden Kerr as well, Jack Edwards, and Mickey Edwards, his brother, is back from injury, uh, I just saw. So that's exciting. He took I think he took a five-wicket haul in one of the practice games against Victoria. So uh, that's good good to hear for, for Mickey Edwards. Uh, they've got a few other options. They've got Ben Dwarshus in the and Daniel Sams in the one-day cup stuff. So stack um, left armers there. So they're quite strong. It's whether those guys will play any red ball cricket, I, I probably wouldn't have thought so. They're mainly white ball bowlers, but they've got plenty of options. And because of those Aussie guys, they can have up to you know 30 players or more in their squad. So um, there's quite a bit of depth there. And we'll just have to wait and see who who gets a nod. Um, for you know the first Marsh Cup game against Victoria, and then obviously the Shield game after that. Yeah, they're always going to be strong, aren't they? The Blues. Um, so if you had to make a big call now, looking ahead to their season, who's going to make the most runs for the Blues, and who's going to take the most wickets in the Sheffield Shield? Uh, I'm a bit split here with the most runs. I think uh, just hearing from Curtis Patterson, he seems really hungry. He wants to bat at the top of the order if he can. So I think um, he's going to have a, a big year, but. Hard to go past Jason Sanger. He had a breakout year last year. Just looks so at ease with his own game. So I'm really excited to see if he can back it up again this season and, and where that puts him if he does uh, in terms of national selection because everyone knows the talent that he's got. Um, and once he starts stringing a few consistent uh, performances together, um, you know, the sky's the limit. And most wickets? Most wickets.
Well, I would have said Tanvir Sanger, um, but unfortunately we won't see him for the first half of the season. Let's go with Chris Tremaine. Hard to go past Chris Tremaine. Solid performer. Um, we'll just You just know what to expect from him. He'll run in, hit the deck hard, swing the ball both ways, uh, try and hit the stumps. Um, so, yeah, expecting another big year from him. So there you have it. Uh, New South Wales kick off their Marsh One Day Cup campaign on Friday against Victoria. Jack, thanks for joining us for this edition of the Unplayable Podcast. And please do join us for when we talk to Jordan Silk next week for the Tasman Preview. Thanks, Josh. Catch you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.